What's up, peeps? I'm Mark Zalmanoff, and I'm here to help you make good choices. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Make Good Choices podcast. I am your host, Mark, the Fitness Ninja Zalmanoff, and I have an amazing guest with me today. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. This is one of the few people that I was actually able to research myself and find out all kinds of stuff about them. So we're going <laughs> to we're going to have a good time today. You can't see him, but he's smiling right now already. And you guys know I love to smile. But before we get started, please, if you have not already subscribe, leave a five star review, share this with your friends and uh, buckle up because this is going to be a good one. So this gentleman that I have today with me is a 26 year vet in the Navy SEALs. And recently we had on Zach Hughes, who is a former Green Beret. Uh, one hell of a guy, and, and this guy definitely is in line with this. He served as a Navy SEAL sniper and sniper instructor, multiple deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. He's the CEO and founder of the Naked Warrior Recovery, which we will definitely talk about that and the motivation behind that. And, you know, I've, I've followed him a little bit on social media, done a little recon, and when we say we need good men out there, this is a good man right here. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, William Branham. How you doing, William? Thanks for having me on here. I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, are I awesome. can't follow like the, the fitness ninja. I was like, oh, I, that's, that's a good tagline right there. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been using that for a while. Pe- people still refer to me as that, as that guy. So I, I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Right. I wouldn't either. So it was interesting. So uh, when I, when I was in the steel teams, I did not talk about, you know, I didn't tell very many people what I did or, or anything else. And when I transitioned out of the military, everyone was like, well, you need a social media presence. You need this, you need to be found online. You need all this other stuff. And, uh, and for like my entire adult life, I've been as invisible as possible. <laughs> and so the fact that you can find stuff, that's I'm doing something right. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe it's right. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Depends doing, what you really found. You're doing what we call an apex, building the machine. That is what you were doing, sir. Awesome. Uh, so the first question that I have for you, and this is the way I start every episode of this podcast, and we'll get into to your background and, and your company and all that. But what I want to know and what I want you to share with our listeners is who is William? I would say I'm the naked warrior. And what does that mean to you? <laughs> so naked, uh, naked is an acronym and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, but uh, really what it is, is in, uh, have you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? That first scene where they're like going ashore and it's just, you know, combat and chaos. Well, before that happened, uh, the Navy went out and they, because the, the, the Normandy assault was a very long planned process. And the Navy went out and they found guys in the Navy that could swim and that were good with demo. And so they brought these guys in, they created a plan. These guys swam into the beach. Uh, they did hydro reconnaissance. Uh, they, they measured like the depth of the water. They looked for obstacles in the water, but they also did a reconnaissance of the beach to look for fighting positions of, uh, 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 lines of assault, like where they could come in the easiest and things like that. Uh, then they would, you know, then they would, they would do the land part first and they would get back out in the water and they would line up in line. They would measure the depth of the water with a, uh, we call it a lead line and slate. So it's, a uh, uh, a, a, a string with a rock on the end of it with knots every six feet uh, that they would keep in a little pouch on their belt. They would have a K-bar knife, have mask and fins, and they would measure the depth of the water. And they had the slate that they wore around their neck and it was in a grid. And they would, you know, they would be in a line uh, in the water about 25 yards apart and they would measure the depth of the water. Everyone would get their, their sounding and then they would dive underwater, look for obstacles underwater, come up, uh, you know, get online again every 25 yards and they did three to 5,000 yards of beach, like all of Normandy. If you've never been there, it's an incredible place to, to visit. And you're, you will just be like, wow, they came across this, <laughs> you know, fighting uphill. It was pretty, pretty crazy. But so those guys went back to the ship. They, they charted everything out. And that was the, that was the plan for the assault on Normandy, that these guys, 
that they, you know, went in and measured the depth of the water. And then prior to the assault, these guys went back in, they put demo, demo charges on obstacles on the beach, uh, cleared lanes, put demo charges on obstacles in the water, got back out. And then as the assault force was coming in, saving Private Ryan, they blew, you know, blew the, the obstacles to, to clear the way for the, for the fighting force. And so that was uh, the predecessor to today's Navy SEAL. And so they disbanded those guys, but then in the Pacific, you had the same thing sort of happen where these Marines were, were the, during the island campaign of the Pacific, Marines were going ashore. The, the, the boats would, the landing craft would hit these barrier reefs. Marines would run off with 60 or 80 pounds of gear on their body, and they would run off thinking they're in three feet of water and run off and, and drown in 30 feet of water. And so the, the Navy recommissioned these guys. Uh, these these naked warriors to come in and like blow channels, look for obstacles uh, on the beach and, and in the water uh, to allow the Marines to get uh, to get there and do the things that Marines do. So that was the predecessor of today's Navy SEAL. My company is Naked Warrior Recovery. And really what being a naked warrior is about today is about taking your ego off. Because we go through life when we and we wear this armor. And the armor, we think it's protecting us. And I went through my life wearing armor, never uh, wanting to admit failure or weakness or anything else. And it wasn't until I, I retired from the military, and I use air quotes for retired because I don't think I'll ever be retired. But as I transitioned out, I discovered I had a lot of baggage, I had a lot of issues, I had a lot of stuff going on with me, and a lot of it was in my brain. And so it was when I learned to take that ego off and expose myself, be a little bit vulnerable to get naked, if you will, and be that naked warrior, then I could find the healing that I needed that helped me get where I am today. Did you? There's a lot of stuff in there that no, I no, kind I of- love it. I love it. Did you find getting vulnerable, being transparent in that manner, did you find that difficult? Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. My entire life, I've hidden behind what I will call ego, uh, not feeling that I was good enough. Uh, I, was, I was in the SEAL teams for 23 of my 26 years. I still, to this day, don't feel like I was good enough. I still feel like I could have done better. There's more. Like every, everyone else is better than me. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good, like I'm not good enough. But until I was willing to say, maybe I am, and here's why, okay, I'm not good at that skill. So work really hard to get better at that skill. Like I had to be okay with failure. I had to be okay with, um, with not being good enough. You know, I just hid the fact that I wasn't good enough. I didn't share it with anyone. And so, because I didn't want to look like I was weak or insignificant. So I hid behind that. And then once I'm, I'm like, Hey, I'm not good at this. Can you show me how to do it? I became better much more quickly. I became brave <laughs> enough to ask for help. Yeah. I see it. It's a common problem with men. Mostly, you know, women, yep. women, women seem to have a more natural tendency to be vulnerable and be open and be emotional. And it's, and it's accepted from a society standpoint. And for whatever reason, guys, and, and especially men like you, who, you know, you see the worst of the worst that the world has. Like if anybody should be able to be open and transparent and be able to talk about their feelings and the things that you've seen, it should be guys like you, Yet, for some reason, we still shun that. And it just, it baffles me that, that that's part of our culture. I feel like it's changing. And, and I think guys like you and having a company like you have helped break down those walls, especially from, from you know, coming out of the military into the civilian world. Um, so talk about that a little bit. That's a, that's a long time. 26 years is a long time. How old are you? 48. Yeah. So, you know, over half my, life, it's my entire adult life. Yeah. Right. Pretty much all you've ever known. So you yeah. make the decision that now's the time. And I'd love to know, was that your decision or not? And then talk about that transition into the civilian world. So in the military, you have, you can only stay for a certain amount of time based on your rank. And I was an E8. I wasn't going to make E9. I'm not politically correct enough. So <laughs> <laughs> even even in the SEAL teams, there are politics, and I did not fit the, the political mold. So, but I was a good leader. I was a good worker. I just, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm a little rough around the edges. I like it. Uh, and 
so I knew that I was going to retire at 26 years. That's how long they let you stay as an E8. There are very small exceptions to let you go to 27 or 28 years. But at the, at the end of 26 years, they're like, all right, uh, thanks for playing. Uh, make room for the new guys coming in. And so that's what I, that's what I did. I was in absolute denial about transitioning out of the military. I wanted to stay in. I loved what I did. Uh, even at the kind of headquarters level, I wasn't, you know, my last three years, I wasn't like in the team. I wasn't like kicking doors or diving or jumping out of airplanes or anything like that. I was doing things that were supporting the team, but it was still, you know, some of it was fear of like going to the outside world, going to the civilian world. I know in the SEAL teams, I know what I'm going to do when I wake up in the morning. I know who my team is. I know what my purpose is. I know what my mission is. And then as I transitioned out of the military, I like it was instantaneous. I lost my mission. I lost my purpose. I lost my team. I lost everything. It was like the movie, the Avengers where Thanos like makes, you know, everyone disappear, like half the world's population. And you're like, where did my significant other go? Where's my family? Where's my, it was like that. And it took me a very long time to, to kind of get through that. And I, you know, I've been on a, a handful of, of military missions. And I say that my transition from the military to civilian life is the hardest military mission I've ever been on. And I'm still on that mission. There's still like, you know, I, I tell people that SEAL training is, is easy. Actually, it's not easy. SEAL training is simple. You just have to show up and you have to do what they tell you to do and not quit. It's simple. It's not easy. But there's a path to becoming a Navy SEAL. You just have to go down that path. As long as you don't get hurt and you don't quit and you don't die, you're going to become a Navy SEAL no matter what. Uh, unless you have a really, really, really bad attitude and then they would kick you out. But outside of those four criteria, anyone can become a Navy SEAL as long as you meet those standards and you show up and you do it every day. Uh, in the SEAL teams, you'd know what your deployment cycle is, you know what you're going to do, you know how you're going to make the next rank, you know there's a path, there's a process. In the civilian world, there's none of that. It doesn't exist. It's hard being a civilian. I don't know what to do with myself a lot of times. Get a job, sit in a cubicle. I've, I'm not that guy. I'm not the, I'm not the cubicle warrior. Um, I'm, I'm the naked warrior. I'm much more of, uh, and I went through lots of, lots of job interviews and I'm like, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a nine to five kind of guy. I'll be a eight to seven kind of guy. I'll get the work done, but I'm not going to punch the clock. I don't, I'm not a clock puncher. I can't, it doesn't like, I don't, I'm, if I'm on at this time and I'm off at that time, it, it just doesn't work for me. So, um, that's just how I work. And I know you had Zach on here earlier. He, I mean, Green Beret, awesome dude. We do some work together. Uh, that's, you know, that's not how he works. That's not how a lot of us work. You know, part of these sort of elite military organizations. We, we, get, we work to get the job done, not to get a paycheck or to punch a clock. Right. Or to just show up. And that was, that was one of the things that really bothered me about government uh, employees is like they showed up. They were doing nothing all day except like surfing Facebook and playing Sudoku because they had to be there. I thought that was a complete, the biggest waste of time and manpower. Uh, like do you, if you're not, don't have anything to do, don't do it here, do it somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Or try to help out with some other things. They stayed in their lane and it's just, that's just not for me. So. Somewhat of a rant. Apparently. I love it. I love it. We're going to talk some politics here in a minute too, by the way. Um, <laughs> I love it. So you get out, you're, you're searching, you're looking, you're trying to figure out what, what this next portion of your life looks like. When did this idea for the Naked Recovery Project begin? So it started probably, it started while I was still in the military. I've got a lot of noise in my head, a lot of, um, we call it noise. I don't, I, I call it baggage. I call it whatever. I don't call it PTSD or anything like that because we all have baggage. Some of it we put in this bags, these backpacks, these bags that we carry around. Some of it, we put the crap in there ourselves and sometimes other people put the crap in there. And so I had a lot of noises in my head. I had a lot of voices, a lot of whatever, and I wasn't able to turn them off. I wasn't able to control them. And so what I would do at night is I would just turn to you know my medicine of choice, which was alcohol, and I would drink until I dulled those noises out. 
and then I eventually could fall asleep. And if you frame that a little bit differently, uh, you could say that I drank until I passed out and then I had to start over the next day. There was a very unhealthy uh, process. You know, I'm a little bit of a more kind of type A person. I want to control, you know, the environment around me as much as I can. And I couldn't control this thing right here. Yeah. And so uh, I had heard about CBD, this, you know, this molecule CBD. Uh, while I was still in the military, it was a podcast. The guy was talking about medical marijuana. Everyone knows about THC and medical marijuana, but this is other molecule from the hemp plant that is helps with stress, anxiety, chronic inflammation, certain kinds of, uh, of, of epilepsy, uh, certain kinds of pain. It does all these things. And I think it's going to be the next like big thing. It was still not legal federally at the time. And I was like, I probably need some of that, but I'm not going to use marijuana air quotes, uh, you know, because that will end my career very, very quickly. And I actually want my career to go longer than what it's going, but you know, I, and, and I still maintain my top secret clearance. Let's just not mess any of that up. Cause I don't know what I'm going to do when I do retire. And so fast forward 2018, I retire. I'm interested in CBD, but I'm, I'm a child of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs. Just say no drugs are bad. This is your brain on drugs, all that good stuff. Those great commercials yeah. um, that, that they made. And so that resonates in my brain all the time. And then eventually I got to a point, I was having lunch with a friend of mine and a former teammate. And I said, well, you know, while I'm here in Virginia, I'm, I'm going to go see if I can find some CBD because maybe what you have here in Virginia is better than what we have in Hawaii. And so, um, he said, you want CBD? I've got some at home. He's kind of an Instagram influencer guy and a company sent him a bunch of bottles. And so he gave me a bottle. Uh, maybe that night I slept okay, a little better. Maybe the next morning I was a little less pissed off. But what I like to say is water boils at 212 degrees and I was living my life at 210 degrees. Lots of us do it. Doesn't matter if we're in the military, first responder, or you know, just running a business. We live very close to that, that boiling point. And what I noticed, I didn't notice anything when I was taking the CBD. I didn't notice anything radical at all. I didn't feel anything. Uh, but what I did notice as I finished that bottle is that my, my fuse went from like, you know, my, my, my thermometer went from, you know, 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190, maybe 185. I got out of that red zone. My fuse got longer and all the pains from my time in the service they were just not quite as bad as they are, you know, on a daily basis, getting out of bed very slowly, you know, working things out, doing my old man warm up and, and things like that, just to kind of to get the body moving. So they weren't quite as bad. They still are bad. They still, it's still pain or whatever. Uh, but my fuse was longer and the pain was bad. And then I ran out and then I started getting closer to that boiling point. And then, you know, my pain started getting bad again. And so, um, I was like, maybe it was placebo, who knows? Let's try a different brand. And so I tried a different brand. It's expensive, so it's like kind of a commitment and I didn't have very much income at the time. You know, I went from having like a lot of, you know, not a lot of money, you know, the, the military does not pay you a lot of money, but I had like, you know, uh, an okay living to having, you know, let like almost no income and my expenses went way up. Because, you know, all of a sudden I have to pay for insurance and all these other things that I never had to do ever in my life. Um, so, so I went from that. So I tried a different brand. I had similar results. Now I'm very interested in the CBD industry. I'm starting to like look at companies and things like that. Then I was at a, at a business conference and I met someone in the CBD industry and she said, um, and she said, so do you want to do A to B, B to B or B to C? And I said, ma'am, I want to do CBD. I wanted her to hire me and I wanted to learn about the industry. And she said, well, why don't you just start your own CBD company? And I said, I don't know how to do that. And she leaned in and she said, you are a Navy SEAL. You can figure it out. So I asked her politely for my man card back. And then I put that <laughs> in my back pocket. And I said, thank you very much. Uh, can you help me understand how to do that? And so we talked a little more. She explained, you know, like the three major categories of CBD. And then I just went off and started researching the industry. And then I Googled, how do I start a CBD company? Google is amazing. Uh, and so, and so I, I found out that the industry is extremely dirty, like extremely dirty. More than 70% of the products out there, either they don't have CBD in them. They don't have the CBD they say they have in them. They're making like wazoo medical claims. They have heavy, like, you know, high levels of heavy metals, like arsenic, lead, 
um, um, whatever. Um, they have, you know, high levels of, of pesticides and herbicides. And, and so I was like, that's, if you're putting like met this thing in your body for medicine, why would you be putting a bunch of toxins and poisons in your body? No one wants to do that. So my mission, original mission was let's create the highest quality CBD in the market. And so I found the highest quality suppliers. I still look for higher quality suppliers. I've still found none. So we are still at the top in as far as quality. Uh, but then I looked at like, what's my mission? That was sort of my mission, but what's a bigger mission than that? And I looked at, you know, my uh, lineage. I'm a veteran. My, my family, there's a bunch of veterans. And I saw the statistic that 22 veterans take their lives every single day. Yeah. My dad took his own life. My dad was a veteran. My dad is one of those 22. So that became my new mission is our mission at Naked Warrior Recovery is 22 to zero to eliminate the veteran suicide, the 22 veterans a day. We've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat, combat in two theaters of war. That's crazy. And so, um, so that's our mission at Naked Warrior Recovery. But the way that I got there is I had to go through my own process, my own sort of uh, healing process. This molecule was a modality that helped me get there. It helped turn down that noise that I was relying on alcohol to dull out. It actually helped to turn the noise down. It wasn't drastic. It was just enough for me to have my own positive self-talk, my own uh, ability to um, control the thoughts that go into my head. And then from there, I created what I call the, the get naked mindset. And, you know, like I talked about earlier, it's originally it was about like taking the ego off and setting that in the corner and exposing yourself, no matter what kind of a warrior you are, whether you're a stay at home mom, warrior, soccer mom, warrior, real estate agent, you know, gym owner, whatever it is, entrepreneur, uh, first responder, army guy, Navy guy, doesn't matter. Become vulnerable, take your ego off and find the healing and the help that you need. Be brave enough to ask for help. And then the other side of it is that I turn, I turn naked into a, an acronym and I give this presentation on stage, um, I, you know, all over the country. And, uh, and so naked stands for the N stands for never quit. Uh, the A stands for accept failure. The K stands for kill mediocrity. The E is expose your fears and the D is to do the work. I love it, dude. I love it. And you have the shirt on, which I'm going to have to find out where to get that shirt because that is fantastic. Um, man, that, that's awesome. So so the company still, I mean, it's relatively new. How, I, how launched, I launched Naked Warrior Recovery in uh, this, like the website went live uh, March 1st of 2020. It's a good looking website, by the way. Um, Thank you. Oh, there was something else that happened right around that time, March 15th, yeah, 20th, something, something weird. Something news. Yeah, they were, people were. I'm not crazy. sure what it was, but yeah, something yeah. happened. People were putting things on their faces. It was weird. Yeah. Um, thank God I live in Texas. <laughs> so, so like from your vantage point, how do you feel now? You know, you, you got two years basically under your belt of, of what we'll just call entrepreneurship. Um, you know, it is a weird market. My wife was just commenting the other day, we were driving around town. She's like, damn, there's so many CBD shops everywhere. And, you know, how do you even know who's got what and what the quality yeah. is and all of that. But, but from your vantage point, like, how do you feel now with a couple of years under your belt, the company's growing, your, your, your name is getting out there more. You have speaking engagements at fairly, you know, in my opinion, like fairly large venues and big audiences. So, so where's your mindset now? So my, it's, that's a great question. Um, so the CBD industry is, is extremely saturated and I would be careful in, like I said earlier, it's still, uh, it's still not that clean. There's some really good companies out there. Uh, and I, I know the, the good companies, we still beat in quality, many of the bigger name brands that you might think of. Um, just because I look at their research, I look at their websites, I look at the, and I know where we are. Um, but uh, so it's, it's an interesting market. It's, it's very saturated. Be careful with what you have, what you get. I would, I would, if you're going to buy CBD, you should make sure that every batch, every batch, not it was tested once upon a time. Every batch is, has an independent third-party testing done to it. 
Uh, most companies just do the testing in the beginning. We do the testing in the beginning when we, the, the oil is extracted from the plants. Then it goes through, we send that oil off to an independent third-party lab, make sure the oil is good, like something weird didn't happen, like someone didn't come along and pour gasoline in the fields or you know, spray pesticides or something like that. Um, make sure the farms are doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, we test that oil, then we put it through the manufacturing process and we turn it into topicals, we turn it into uh, tinctures you put under your tongue, uh, uh, soft gels, pills, uh, or gummies. Um, and, and things like that. And then we test the final product to make sure that nothing happened, nothing got weird happened in the manufacturing process, no sort of weird contamination happened. And so when you like you scan, the, every product has a, a, a QR code, and I don't think you can see it. And I don't know if many people are gonna watch it, but maybe they'll listen. But every product has a QR code and you can go to that QR code, it takes you to a website, and then you can look at the batch number that we also put on the bottle or the box or whatever it is. And you can see exactly what the lab results are for that product. I have been not great at updating our website with all of the lab results. Um, I do an okay job, but not a great job. Uh, but for sure, if you go to a company's website and they have a one or three or whatever lab results, and they're not even for products that they're selling, and you should probably not trust that company, uh, you know, unless there's some reason, some reason that you do, unless you can get your hands on the lab results, I would say that uh, you should probably not trust that company. And, you know, it's because hemp is where CBD comes from. Hemp is a bioaccumulator. That means it pulls all the good stuff out of the soil, pulls all the bad stuff out of the soil. And it's such a powerful bioaccumulator that they're using it at Chernobyl to clean the radiation out of the soil so they can maybe go repopulate that area one day. Um, but uh, let's see, where was I going with that? I don't remember. I'll let you, I'll let you drive now. <laughs> I was just asking how you feel about, you know, your process and, and or your progress over the last couple of years now and in the direction of the company. I, I think, you know, I would love to grow faster and because, you know, faster growth would be better, but CBD is interesting because I can't market it, you know, the way that other companies, supplement companies can market their stuff. I can't use social media. I can't use Google click pay-per-click ads or anything like that because CBD is an illicit substance. So I've had to be more creative in how I have, uh, and how I do market. And so some of that is, is I get on podcasts. Well, number one, I paid for coaches. I find coaches who can help me, number one, grow as a person and grow as, a, as an entrepreneur. People who have been there and done that and they know how to problem solve and collapse time. Uh, secondly, so I do, I do podcasts. And then through the process of doing podcasts and opening up about myself and uh, figuring out this world of entrepreneurship and marketing and things like that. One of my coaches said, everyone in this mastermind should create a keynote presentation, should a signature presentation that you can give on a Ted talk stage, or you can give to, you know, 150,000 people at the Super Bowl or whatever. Like you should just have this in your pocket and you should be able to deliver it from 15 minutes to an hour and a half. And so, uh, I already had sort of the get naked idea, but I didn't have the words associated with the letters. And so that's what my, my signature presentation is. And, and I give it away. Uh, anytime I give it, I give it away. And you can go to the, the number five, fivesealsecrets.com, fivesealsecrets.com, put your name and email in there. And I will email you a copy of the presentation. It's, it's very closely aligned with the script that I give on stage. Uh, I actually gave this presentation um, twice, twice last week in San Jose. And I don't know if you know, uh, Zig Ziglar, uh, who I, he is. Yeah. yeah. So Tom Ziglar, his son is Tom Ziglar, who took over the company and has carried on the process. I shared the stage with, with Tom, uh, last week in San Jose. So that was pretty cool to be like Tom, Tom has spoken all over the world. Like he's a great speaker. He has great knowledge. And, uh, and so it was, it was an honor for me to be able to share the stage, uh, with, with a legend like that. And, uh, and he gave me some pretty good feedback. So I was pretty stoked. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, Zig is like kind of the godfather of 
<laughs> personal development. You know, he was Tony right. Robbins before Tony Robbins, right? And I mean, that's yeah. that's enormous. Good for you, man. That's a that's a huge opportunity. And and really, you know, I always look at life in, in the aspect of how can we impact, right? Like, what kind of impact are we making in the world? And you know, you spent most of your life impacting other places and other people and to finally be at a place where you really get to impact yourself and your lineage and your family and put your stamp on this thing is it's really incredible and and it's not easy you know you said it before and we talk about entrepreneurship and you know there's no path there's no there's not really a right or wrong there's not an end to it like we're just, we're all out here just trying to figure the shit out for our own self. And, and so, you know, yeah. investing in coaching, putting yourself around the right people, you know, you're, you're definitely, you got all the right pieces in play and you're probably not giving yourself nearly enough credit for, <laughs> for the things that you've accomplished so far. Um, but I love it. So, so in this process, you know, you, you spent all this time at the, like the highest of the high levels of, of special ops obviously a lot of leadership lessons learned throughout that process. What are some of the, the most transferable skills that you have found from the military into the civilian world? I think um, from the special operations side, the one of the biggest lessons that I've brought with me is, is being unconventional and my approach to problem solving. Uh, also some leadership, uh, you know, I got a lot of failures along the way. And I talk about that in, you know, accept failure as one of my, one of my uh, five seal secrets. And um, so, you know what, why don't we just roll through what get naked is? Cause it's really a culmination of, of those, uh, of those, you know, lessons that I learned in my, in my time in the military. So the N, you know, again, it stands for never quit. And I don't mean never quit smoking or drinking or, or drugs or porn or whatever that thing is that you, it's like holding you back that, that addictive personality thing that you're struggling with. I mean, never quit on yourself. I mean, never quit trying to improve who you are or the position that you're in. Never quit moving forward. Uh, never quit on who you are again, you know, 22 to zero, never like suicide is the easy way out. It doesn't make things better. Most people who commit suicide, they think they're going to leave the world and make the world a better place because they're not in it. It actually makes the world a more horrible place because they're not in it because they leave a big mess behind them. Like we would much rather deal with you as the person that you are than the mess that is just going to be there if, if you take your own life. So, but never quit is really never quit on who you are or trying to improve who you are. And so uh, what I say is to create small victories and small victories is something I learned in seer school, uh, prisoner of war school, uh, and really the, where they are interrogating you and your job is to not give up all the information, but your job is to be proud of who you are at the end of the day, when you get released, when the, you get rescued, whatever you escape, be proud of your actions while you were in that situation. And so when you're a prisoner of war, they take all of your they take control of your entire everything. They put you in these cells where you're, you know, you 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 have a bag on your head, you're cuffed, you they're playing this psychedelic music where babies are crying and kids are saying, Mommy, mommy, why? Where's daddy? Why, why is the make the bad man stop? Like terrible things like that mess with your brain. You haven't eaten for three days, you don't sleep while you're there. Um, and so they take away all control of your life. And then they go and they interrogate you and they ask you some simple questions and then you resist and you don't answer. And then the questions get harder and then they start slapping you around. And at some point you have to tell them some information in order to live. It's, you know, it's time collapse. So they say, if they hit you with the open hand, just consider that a buttstock to the face. And so your job is not to be John Rambo and let, never say anything. Your job is to maybe tell them a story with some truthful information where you change some details at the end. That's a small victory. Small victories give you the opportunity to take back control in your life when you are completely out of control. So that's a small victory. Another small victory that I talk about is in SEAL training uh, of Hell Week is week number five of 26. Hell Week is five and a half days. You're cold, you're wet, you're miserable. But one thing is constant during hell week. They feed you four times a day. So it doesn't matter how much it sucks, how badly you don't want to put that boat back on your head, how cold you are, how much you're jackhammering there in the, in the, in the surf zone with that guy to your left and to your right. 
All you got to do is make it to that next meal. And that's a small victory. You just keep doing that until hell week is done. Uh, the A is accept failure because failure has been the biggest key to my success. I am hardheaded. I, you can tell me the right way to do it. I still have to go figure out the, <laughs> all the ways to not do it. Um, you know, I look at failure to be, uh, failure for me has been a foundation for my success. The more times I fail, the, the, the thicker, the deeper, the broader my foundation is. And if you want to build something, you want to build it on a solid foundation. So failure has been my foundation for success. And if you want to talk about like a couple of non-sealed examples of, of failure, uh, you look at Michael Jordan. Missed 9,000, more than 9,000 shots in his basketball career, lost more than 300 games, missed more than 30 game winning shots. But after every game, he went back to the gym and he practiced those shots that he missed. He accepted that failure and, uh, and he got better because of it. Um, Thomas Edison, he learned more than 10,000 ways to not create the incandescent light bulb. How many times have we taken, you know, failed at something once? or five or 10 times and then quit. Like, uh, it's, not, it's not possible, we can't do it, we can't, whatever. We certainly haven't failed 100 times or 1,000 times. 10,000 times just doesn't even compute. Uh, but that's part of accepting failure, using that as your foundation to success. The K is to kill mediocrity because we are surrounded by mediocrity every day. Technology is awesome, but it also makes us weak. It makes us lazy. It makes us find excuses to do the things that we to not do the things that we should be doing. How many times has this, this phone, this little black box, like you get caught scrolling in there and you're like, find excuses to not work out, to not attack your goals for the day. That's what mediocrity is, finding those excuses. And so what I tell people is you should compete, compete in generosity, compete in kindness, compete in gratitude. And then most importantly, compete against your ego because your ego knows your strengths, it knows your weaknesses, it knows all the things that make you quit at the end of the day and make you mediocre. So if you want to you know, improve your life and the life of the people around you, you have to have an uncommon desire to kill mediocrity. I'm going into my keynote a little bit, but I'll, I'm just getting through it. it. I'm getting, going, I'm getting through it quickly. Going. Uh, again, I can do it in 15 minutes or an hour and a half. Uh, the E is exposure fears, and I'm not talking about lions and tigers and bears. I'm talking about the fears that live in the back of your brain. I had those fears for most of my life. I didn't want people to think that I was weak. I was insignificant, that I wasn't good enough. And, you know, lots of people quit SEAL training because they are told, even though they're completely capable, they're told that they're not good enough and they end up quitting. So, but these are the fears that control us. So the fears that come out when you're alone in your car, when you're driving along and you start having these weird conversations with yourself. They're the fears, the thoughts, the stresses, the anxieties that keep you awake at night. They're the things that wake you up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night. And so what I say is expose your fears. And just to give you an example, action, fear generally turns into action. And what I mean by that is, is you're driving along in your car and someone is like on their phone and you see them like they're jaywalking and they're not even, they don't even look and you nearly hit them, but you see them just in time. You have fear. Oh my God, there's someone to pull out and, run. and you hit the brakes. You steer away and you miss them. You did not kill them. Good for you. You had fear of hitting that person and you took action, but we don't do that ever in our life. We let those fears settle in and they seep back in that back part of our brain. And generally these fears are just anticipation of future possible pain, but probably not. The probability of these fears that are swirling around uh, of actually happening are almost zero most of the time, but they still control us. And so the way that you uh, take, so I look at fear to be kind of like a vampire. Vampires, they live in the darkness like that fear and they suck the life out of you. Fear does the same thing. It lives in that dark place in the back of your brain and it sucks the life out of you. So how do you kill a vampire? You expose it to sunlight. How do you kill that fear, you expose that fear. You do hard things. You do things that scare you. Maybe you were, you were picked on as a kid. You have low self-esteem. Go take a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class for a year. You're going to be forced to fight someone every single night. You're going to uh, learn a skill set that's going to help you defend yourself and help you defend other people. And you're going to increase your self-esteem. You're going to be forced to fight someone. You're going to build that self-confidence. So do something hard, do something that scares you. But uh, one of my mentors, one of my 
coaches, one of my good friends says that fear does not exist on paper. And he's in the billionaire category, by the way. And so he still gets stresses and anxieties and they just kind of consume him. And what he'll do if he's driving along, he'll pull over, he'll stop at a Starbucks, order a coffee, sit down with a pencil and a piece of paper or a pen, not his iPad, not his phone, not whatever, pen and a piece of paper. And he'll write down, he'll do a brain dump of everything that is bothering him, write those stresses, those anxieties, every one of them down, and then he'll read it. And you'll realize if you try this exercise, when you're like overly consumed with stress and anxiety, that once you write those fears down, you control those fears and those fears no longer control you because fear does not exist on paper. And then the last is to do the work because really in today's society of instant gratification and TikTok and all this other stuff, we've forgotten what it's like to do the work. Do the work means uh, it's going to be something that's hard to do. It means it's going to take time, effort, and tenacity to complete. SEAL training is a great example of that. Starting a business is a great example of that. All these things are great examples of that. Uh, you know, there was a saying that says Rome wasn't built in a day but I guarantee it was built every single day until it became an empire. And so that's really what do the work is all about. And so in the SEAL teams, there's a saying that says you have to earn your trident every day. It's this little gold badge that we, that we wear on our uniform. And when I graduated from SEAL training, I didn't have that attitude. We didn't have that saying either. Um, we came up with it later. But I thought I graduated the hardest military training in the world it's going to be easy from here. And this is a mistake that we all make. We do something really hard. And then we think it's going to be easy. We climb that mountain. We think it's going to be easy, but in the SEAL teams, you're expected to perform. It doesn't matter your rank, your age, your position, nothing matters other than when you show up today, you're expected to perform better today than you did yesterday. And that's why they say the only easy day was yesterday. And so it's expected of everyone every single day. So it's a mindset that we have to uh, embrace that we have to, that needs to consume us because, you know, you can go climb that mountain and then you, if you don't run down the mountain and then climb the next one, then you're actually just going to roll backwards. If you're not moving forward and up, then you're moving backwards. If you're still, you're going backwards because the world is moving past you at a faster pace. So that's really what do the work is all about. So it's never quit, accept all your kill mediocrity, expose your fears and do the work. And that's what the get naked mindset is all about. And again, it's at fivesealsecrets.com. That is fantastic. <sighs> Take a breath, man. We will uh, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. That's fantastic. You're speaking my love language with some of that stuff. Um, you know, we're we're all about doing the work and and understanding that the work's never done. And I think that's you know for a lot of us that's the the overlying message is that you like you said you just have to keep showing up, and yep. if you're willing to do that consistently over time, more often than not you're going to get what you want out of this world. But but so many people stop. And I love I love the Edison reference, too, because, you know, how many people start trying to lose weight and quit after two weeks? Yep. You no, know, really, you've been out of shape for a decade and a half and you're going to quit after two weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. man, I, I love that. Um, all right. So <laughs> I, I have a couple more questions I want to ask because. You have a perspective that not many people have. And, and I, and I said this to Zach Hughes as well, like, you know, when you operate in that world, you see things differently than the rest of us. You see things in a manner that like, I'll never understand because I, you know, I, I didn't live through what you've lived through, but looking at the United States right now, looking at our country, obviously a lack of leadership. Um, and you could probably make a case it's been that way for a while, but, it, but it seems more and more apparent. As, as time has gone on over the last couple of years, what type of person would you want to see in these higher government roles? And we'll talk about the president in a minute, but like, do you believe that military people would be better suited to serve in, the, in those roles? Or, or is, there, is there some type of character test <laughs> that we can actually put people through to, to, be act, to be true leaders, to be people we could actually look up to, to in times of crisis and go, okay, they're going to put us on the right path instead of what's happening now where we're like, ah, they're all out to get us and, and they don't really care about us. I think a more, I, I don't think that just because you were in the military makes you a good leader. Doesn't mean that you're going to be good in those political positions. There are people that are pretty good at that, but I think, I mean, some of the, the laws and the, the things that we have in place uh, that, that keep people in these 
congressional, we'll say Congress, the Senate, whatever, in these positions for their entire life, let's limit what they what they can do. Because as you sit in those positions, you accumulate power. As a leader, I, I have a, a course, well, it's five seal secrets of leadership. And the, the fifth secret is decentralized command and control. As a leader, my job is to give you my power, give you my authority. I train you up on how to do something and I give you my power and my authority. And then you have my commander's intent on how to go and, and attack that 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 mission go do that thing as long as you stay inside these left and right uh lanes of of travel and you know unfortunately when we elect people into these positions they we're giving them our power but we never we very rarely have the ability to take it back you know as a leader in the military if you're screwing up hey you're fired i can I mean, you could make an argument that you could do that. You could say, okay, well, you vote. Well, they get their power from your votes. We don't even know if that's real or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's enough Russia disinformation out there. We have no idea. Um, and I mean, the first thing that I would do is like, so I didn't listen to the media or the news or anything for like most of my career. And I, I didn't know that people didn't like Trump. <laughs> I had you really didn't nothing. listen to anything <laughs> I had nothing like what why what, what it has nothing to do with me the yeah. only reason I started kind of in the last couple of years was I was like oh let's see what the what the what the candidates start talking about and so I wanted to, I was generally genuinely interested because now as a civilian I have a different perspective of what's going on and and, and how it's going to affect me and I was like, really? What the, how, I, I had zero clue. I mean, I do say that I have lived in a bubble my entire adult life being in the military. I do, I do not care about politics. Um, but what I've started to see is, is the, it's not even the corruption of the politician, it's the corruption of the media and how they manipulate the narrative. So if you ever look at, um, a coup where an organization, a military organization, they come in and they're going to take over the government. There's two places they go. They go to the Capitol building to take out the government, the leadership, and they go to the media. They go to the news stations and they take over the media because the media controls the public. The government doesn't. The media controls the government. So that coup organization, that military organization that takes over the government, they control the media, they could, therefore they control the narrative. I mean, Vladimir Putin, whatever's happening in Russia, you know, whatever's happening in China, they control the media. Yep. Whatever's happening in the US, they control the media, like it or not. There are certain, certain political parties that are controlling the narrative. If we could get away from that and actually have freedom of press, that would be fantastic. But we don't have that currently. I love it. I love it. We have, we have, we have uh, narratives, yeah. political <laughs> and narratives. And a lot of them. Is, is there anyone out there right now that if you could wave a magic wand and make president tomorrow, is there anyone out there that, that you would want to see in that position? Um, I think there are some SEAL admirals that maybe would be a good uh, person in that position because I trust them. I think uh, Bill McRaven would be a good person. He's getting kind of old though, but we've got a really old guy in office right now. Um, I think, I, I think there are some, some good candidates out there that would be good for the country, but they don't think that they will get elected right. because the political parties will not allow that to happen because they're not able to control the person that's in that position. Unfortunately. Yep. Yep. I agree. All right. One more question for you, sir, before we wrap this up. You know, we, we live in an age of social media. It's it's just it's part of what we do. Um, I kind of like live on Facebook. It's like my second residence next to my home in the gym. But for you, if you knew that the next thing that you put out on social media would go viral, like everybody in the world's talking about, oh, man, did you see what William posted yesterday? What would you want the message on that post to say? I think it's going to be the get naked, get naked mindset, like embrace this, like make this a part of your life. 
which is why I started once I wrote it and created it and turned it into a into a, a presentation. I was like, this is actually pretty good. This applies. This applies to me every single day. Like right. I have to make, you know, decisions to not quit on like, dude, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like, you know, so before this this call, uh, uh, Brian. Um, oh, gosh, I forgot his last name. Starts with an H. Uh, and he's in, he's in apex. He asked me like yesterday, Hey, can you come in and, and coach a, a thing? I'm like, sure. Cause he had to leave. He, he was traveling and the guy he had coming in couldn't make it. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I called, I emailed you. I'm like, Hey, can we push this thing to the right a little bit? Uh, so I can go and do that. I created a class that I was going to share five seal secrets of leadership. And then I changed my mind because he actually asked me to do something different. So about eight o'clock last night, I changed the entire presentation. It was not that good today, but I think I got the point across um, about, you know, what they were looking for. But, you know, at midnight last night, I was like, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to work on this anymore. And I'm like, I made a commitment to follow through and deliver this presentation tomorrow. And that's actually what the presentation was about, commitment and follow through. Um, and so I'm like, I have to do this. And then I had a call at 5 a.m. this morning. So I had about 45 minutes before the call to, uh, to, to like kind of get my mind right. To the, and I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. So it was like, that was part of the never quit. Yep, except failure. I should have thought about this earlier. I should have kill mediocrity you know i'm delivering a message i'm trying to deliver it as best i can with very little uh time to prepare uh exposing my fears what if i look like an idiot and and, and of course it, it's it's do the work so that applies to me every single day and i believe it applies to other people every single day and so that would really be my my message is just to get naked like take your ego off put it in the corner and let's start getting after it that is fantastic sir Dude, I really, really appreciate this. This has been fantastic. I will put all the all the notes and all the links to all the things so people can go check out Naked Warrior Recovery, can follow you on social media. We'll definitely put the link to the presentation as well because I think that's something that if, if you've listened to this, you need to revisit it, either rewind it, go download it. Like I'm gonna find out where to get this damn t-shirt and we'll, we'll put the link to that out there as well. But dude, truly an honor. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And uh, and for being vulnerable with us and, and just sharing, you know, some life lessons and hopefully uh, can all help other people make good choices too. So I really appreciate Thank you, sir. you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for bringing me on. Until next time, folks, y'all get out there, have a great day and make good choices. Thanks so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. If you would like to get a copy of my book, Make Good Choices, Head on over to the Amazons, type in Make Good Choices, or my name. It should come up in either place. If you would like to connect with me for health and fitness coaching, shoot me an email at info at markzfitness.com or shoot me a text, 214-418-8872. That's the only phone number I got. It's been out there for a really long time. Hope you enjoyed the show, and until next time, keep on making good choices.